The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Hi, my name is Sean. grew up in a house where Jesus was top priority always, but it really became super real to me when my dad preached the Live Restored sermon. Just the worship and the atmosphere was felt so real and it really impacted my, my love for Christ and my love for Jesus. Ever since that one moment where th- the whole sermon and everything, I started helping out with worship and kids ministry. I felt more connected with Christ and when the time came, I knew I definitely wanted to show everyone that I am on God's side and I am always gonna be on God's side no matter what, no matter the circumstance. About um, March of 2020, everything with the coronavirus was hitting and I was diagnosed with what's called nephrotic syndrome. It's it's basically just uh, your kidney filter isn't working and all of your protein is going out of your body. To me, it actually seemed very major and I was very worried about everything because my immune system went down and I felt not as strong as I used to be. It doesn't take long, but life gets complicated. But what is making your life more complicated than it needs to be? More specifically, what is making your faith in God more complicated than it needs to be. For Sean, his life started to get complicated. But one thing I know about kids is their life, they don't make life complicated. Life gets complicated, but they don't make it complicated. But you and I, we've become experts on making life complicated. What we teach at LifeHouse, sermons, what we offer and teach in kids' ministry, what we we teach in life groups, it all comes from the Bible. We try to offer life principles, how you apply and live out teachings from the Bible. It's the sacred history of how God interacts with man. And so uh, as we go through the Bible, we discover the life and teachings of Jesus. And there's one specific uh, story about Jesus that three of the four gospel authors thought was so important that they include, they each included it in their account of the life and teachings of Jesus. And, and it's Jesus interacting with children. Now, when you read it uh, from a modern lens, I mean, you're looking at it through the way we look at life today, it seems a little weird because Jesus is this religious leader, this teacher who one day sits down and children start coming up to him and they're playing with him and and, um, Jesus picks them up, puts them on his lap. He's holding them, he's hugging them, he's listening to them talk. And uh, again, it sounds a little weird. Like, you know, if I'm going through the park with my kids and my kids see a guy over on the bench and there's other kids over there with him and my kids go running over there, I'm gonna run after them, grab them and pull them away from this stranger. It sounds weird until you think about, you know, going to the mall at Christmas time, and there's this older gentleman who's a little bit rotund with jolly cheeks and a long white beard. And suddenly, this story doesn't sound that strange because per- parents don't have any problem letting their children go up to a perfect stranger, get up on his lap, and tell him what he wants 
what they want for Christmas. It also doesn't seem strange if you think about bringing your kids to, I don't know, Disney World, the Magic Kingdom. Like we, you know, we had a chance to bring our daughters there. Here they were, they were younger. And we go there and we waited in line for, I mean, over an hour so that they could run up and get their picture with Jasmine, with Cinderella, and they wanted to hug them. They wanted to hold them. They were so excited. They wanted, you know, Cinderella to say hi to them. And then my girls, like one of their favorite moments in life, at least up to that point, was um, we were sitting in this big crowd of people, all these parents with all their little girls, and my girls got picked by Belle to go be in her play on the stage, the, the you know, play out Beauty and the Beast. And so my daughter's got to have their little parts and, you know, they have no idea what they're doing, but they're just so cute. A perfect stranger calls them out of the crowd, invites them to come and get on a stage, and parents are totally okay with that. Jesus, Jesus was the, the Santa at the mall. Jesus was Cinderella at Magic Kingdom. Kids wanted to be around Jesus. When, when kids saw Jesus, they just wanted to run up to him. When parents saw Jesus, they wanted to bring their kids to him. And yet for you and I, we have a really hard time running up to Santa, getting on his lap. We see somebody that we really, like let's say you saw a, you know, a celebrity or you saw someone that you, you really admire. You're gonna wrestle through a lot of different thoughts that'll keep you from just running up and saying, hey, I just want to get my picture with you, right? We have all these awkward feelings. Why? Because we're, we're self-conscious, we're, we're insecure, we have all these self-doubts. We, we're proud, and pride complicates our life. It makes it overly complicated, and it keeps us from just running up to somebody, putting our arms around them, and getting close. Pride complicates our faith. It keeps us from running up to God, getting intimately close, and receiving care from God. But when you read about the story of Jesus, and I'm going to read it to you from the Gospel of Luke. Luke, who is this outsider to Judaism and Christianity, he hears about the story in the life of Jesus from eyewitnesses. These are individuals who knew Jesus, who spent time with Jesus, who saw Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And Luke becomes so curious that he begins to investigate the life of Jesus, and through his research, he becomes persuaded that Jesus is who Jesus said he is. And Luke becomes a follower of Jesus, and in his account that he writes out, he, he writes it with the goal of sharing it with people that were just like him. They were pagan Greeks. And so he's writing to people who had a mythology that the gods were far away, and when they do come close, they act worse than people do. And so Luke wants to write to these Greek pagans that there is a, a real God who came intimately close, the Son of God, Jesus, who lived among men, but was somebody extraordinary, somebody that kids would want to run up to. So let's jump into this story, Luke chapter 18. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them, the parents. But Jesus called the children to him, and he said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So first, he says, Let the little children come to me. Don't push them away. I, I, these disciples, you know, for them, Jesus is not only really important, 
But Jesus is so important that he doesn't have time to do you favors. He doesn't have time for little children. Now, that, that might seem mean or cruel, but you got to think about somebody on a mission. And, and for the disciples, they saw Jesus as this conquering king who was coming to overthrow Rome and establish this new Jewish kingdom, this new political empire. But Jesus responds very different because his goal was not to establish a political kingdom, but to bring the kingdom of God very personally close. And so he, he brings these children close to him. He brings them on his lap. And then he, he, he um, talks about the way we need to be more like children. Now that, that's powerful today, but it's even more powerful if you think about that in the setting of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire, which stretched out for a significant period of time, one of the longest existing empires, and it was far-reaching. But it did not have a good track record regarding children. In fact, uh, a primitive version of abortion was common in the Roman Empire. And for the babies that were not aborted and that were born deformed, disabled, um, girls and a family didn't want girls, they wanted boys, they would just discard them. They would abandon them. So babies that weren't aborted were abandoned. They would literally be taken outside of a city and just put into the trash heap, left to die. And obviously infants would die. And so this was called infanticide. They just destroy the babies that they didn't want. So they were abandoned. And then uh, children that did not die in the trash heap were picked up by strangers, used and abused. They were, they were turned into slaves. They were turned into prostitutes. They were used in the gladi gladiator games. They were, it, it was ancient human trafficking. So aborted, abandoned, abused. What a horrific view of children sounds so different from modern America, right? Well, until you think about the fact that 1.5 million babies will be aborted this year. And for those that are not aborted, so many are abandoned. Abandoned, you might say, what? No, abandonment is at an epidemic. Let's even call it a pandemic level. Far worse than any virus. We have a few million people that have been infected. Over 500,000 people have died from the virus. But we've got 19.7 million children that are growing up without their father in their life. That's one in four children. 40% of children tonight will go to bed without their father in their home. 40%. That's, that's not just pandemic, that is nationally destructive, abandoned, and abused. Far too many children in America today have been abused. They've been sexually abused. Um, they've been physically abused, right? And part of that is the fatherlessness because not having a father in your home makes you more vulnerable to poverty, to abuse, to another man or another person coming in the home and taking advantage of those children. It, it sets them up for um, all kinds of very difficult and dangerous situations. And so what a, what a tragedy in our nation that children are aborted, abused, abandoned. And so it's interesting that Jesus gives dignity and value to children. You want to you know how Jesus did that? He became one. Jesus became vulnerable and susceptible to the womb of a virgin named Mary. That's right. Jesus 
God gives dignity to pregnancy because he was conceived in the womb. He gives dignity to infancy because he became a weak, vulnerable, dependent infant that could have been abandoned, that could have been discarded. He, he gives dignity to the journey of going from infancy to adolescence. Jesus gives dignity to being uh, taught, to growing up, to even being adopted. His father was not his biological father. His father adopted him, Joseph. So Jesus understands what it means to be um, vulnerable. Jesus understands the plight of children. And, and, and so God gives value to children, but he also points us to the example of children. Let, let's jump back in. We're going to go to the gospel of Matthew chapter 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Again, they're, they're leaning in a little bit of the pride, a little bit of uh, who, who's the best, who's the most important, and that's what pride does. It, it gets you caught up in entitlement and thinking more about yourself and trying to get ahead and trying to be noticed. Then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted, unless you are changed, and become as, a little as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. And so Jesus not only welcomes children to himself, he blesses children, he, he plays with these kids, and he regularly uses children as an example of what we all need to be. So he gives dignity to children. This is why Christians in the church, we, we value children, we value pregnancy, we stand up for the sanctity of life. Uh, throughout history, Christians have gotten involved in rescuing children that have been abandoned, have been abused, right? So we stand up for foster care and adoption. But we also learn important life lessons about ourselves from children, from the teaching of Jesus. And the, and the key lesson that Jesus is teaching when he's, when he's holding up these children is this. Simplify your faith by discovering the way of the child. This is the way through. You want to you get through the complications of life. You want to come through all the ways that life will make things more complicated. You simplify your faith by discovering the way of the child. Now, now here's the thing. Who, who wants to become a child, right? Who, who wants to become vulnerable and innocent and ignorant and gullible? Who wants to become dependent on others? No, kind of the whole mission of life is to grow up and trust myself and develop the skills and get the education. And, you know, I can trust myself. I can provide for myself and I can protect myself. And, but yet, Jesus holds up children as something remarkable. Not just their innocence or their purity, but their faith. They're just willing to come to a parent. They're willing to come to God and just trust and believe. And for so many of you, you've made life so complicated. And for others of you, life has become incredibly complicated and it's made you cynical. But right now, here's what I know, that God became one of us. He did, he gave dignity to pregnancy, dignity to infancy, dignity to childhood. Jesus didn't just come to be born he came to die. He came to die to embrace our suffering, to take on our sin. Sin 
is this spiritual sabotaging force inside of every one of us. It's actually the, the, it's the seed that produces the fruit of pride. Sin separates us from God and sets us on a life course of ruin. A life course that makes life way too complicated. And the end result of sin is that it separates us from God in a forever without God and anything good. So Jesus came to earth, born of a virgin, to live, to die. To take all of the suffering, all of the guilt and shame, all of the hurt and the abuse, the abandonment and the death that we deserve, and he puts it on himself. He dies in our place. Not just a physical death, but a spiritual punishment. Jesus, the perfect son of God, suffers and dies on our behalf so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven. But Jesus not only dies, he rises from the dead. The, the conquering king conquers death. He frees us from sin and he offers us new and forever life. And if that's what you want right now, maybe you're like, maybe right now you, you've, your life has gotten complicated and cynical but you feel like a little kid walking through the mall. God's over there. And he's got his arms open wide to you. And he's saying, come to me. You're weary, you're burdened, you're heavy hearted. Your life, has, your life is not going as, as you imagined it would. And Jesus is inviting you to come to him. Maybe it's like being, you know, life is not at all like Disney. It doesn't feel like Magic Kingdom, but there's Jesus arms open wide, and people are flocking to him. And my invitation to you is, would you come to Jesus? Would you come to Jesus like a child today? You don't have to do this on your own. You don't have to figure life out. You don't have to fix your own problems. You can run to a loving, good father, a God who cares for you, a God who gave his life to rescue you. Would you put your faith in Jesus Christ? And if you're making that commitment, would you let us know? You could text the name Jesus to 81411. And when you text us, you're going to get a quick prompt. It's going to give you a link to, to um, the tools that we want to offer you as you begin this new journey to faith in Jesus Christ. And we want to encourage you as you begin this new journey because it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with a loving God whose arms are open wide and he, want to invite, he wants to invite you into a new way of living. Why? Because pride will complicate your life and sabotage um, your faith. But the way of the child simplifies your faith and it frees you from the burden of pride. So I invite you in a new way of the child. You know what the way of the child is? Let's jump back into the story of, uh, found in Matthew chapter 19. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. The disciples were like, we don't got time for this. Jesus don't have time for that. You know what Jesus has time for? He has time for children. He has time for children in a Roman empire that treated children like slaves. He had time for children who people treated them as second-class citizens. Now, here's what I want you to know. To follow the way of the child, come to Jesus and let him bless you. Come to Jesus. Let him bless you. You're busy. You're burdened. Life is complicated. Would you put down your burdens? Come to Jesus. Lay it down. In fact, give it to Jesus. You know, in my home, I feel like so many times, regardless of what's going on, when something goes wrong, my kids will cry out for mommy or daddy. Or they'll bring us their problem. 
Whatever the mess they created, they, they say help. And we step in and we uncomplicate complicated things. We intervene in messy things. We bless them when they feel cursed. They come home and they're crying because somebody said something mean at school. You know what mommy and daddy do? Mommy and daddy speak life over them. We speak blessing. I know from, I love um, every one of my kids throughout all of their years growing up in our home. Every night I've tried to get in bed with them, put my arms around them and pray over them and speak blessing over them. You are a treasure. To my girls, I'd say you are a princess. You're a flower. You're a rose. You are beautiful. You are valuable. You are worthy. To my boys, I say, man, you are awesome. You are strong. You're a hero. You are wild, man. Like, I have fun. I just speak life over them. I speak over them what they want to become, what I believe they're going to become, what I see God speaking over them. And that's what Jesus does. He brought little children to him, and the children easily came. But what he was really saying was to all the parents and to all the adults watching, you can come to me. You can get intimately close. Come to me and I will care for you. I'll lift your burdens. I'll bring healing to your wounds. And I'll speak life and truth into the lies and the death that you've been carrying. Look, if, if you're hearing something in your mind that is discouraging you, it's tearing you down, is condemning you, is making you feel worthless, is making you feel insecure. It is not God. It is the enemy of your soul, and it is out to steal, kill, and destroy you. God's words over you will bring life and hope and healing and strength. And when God speaks over you, he says that you are precious, you are valuable, you are a treasure, you are worthy in him. So come to Jesus. Lay down your burdens. Allow him to bless you and speak life over you and reverse the curse that you've been carrying. Let's jump back into the story. Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He goes, unless you go through a metamorphosis, like a, butterfly, like a, like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly, you can, you can never truly experience the kingdom of heaven. The key here is this. To follow the way of the child, trust what Jesus says. In fact, I could just stop there. Trust Jesus. The way of the child is that you come to Jesus. You put aside all of your self-confidence, all of your being self-conscious, all of your self-doubt, all of your effort to do it on your own, being self-reliant, and you come to God, right? So in nature, it's impossible to reverse time. Everybody's doing it, right? You got beauty creams, and you're trying to work out and exercise. You're putting a lot of energy into trying to get back to the fountain of youth, right? Trying to reverse time. And yet Jesus says, unless you are changed and become like a little child, does he mean physically? No, he means in your faith. Here's what life, here's what inevitably life does. Life gets complicated, and it moves us toward cynicism, trusting ourselves becoming self-reliant, becoming less trusting of others. We have experience where people have hurt us. And so we keep people at arm's length. And Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, where you trust me, you believe in me, you believe me, you listen to my word, you trust my word, you talk to me the way a child talks to a loving parent, Listen, you want to learn how to pray? Don't listen to the way religious people pray. Don't learn 
learn how to pray by listening to priests and pastors pray? Listen to the way a child speaks to a parent that they know adores them. Let me say that again. Don't learn how to pray by listening to religious people. Learn how to pray by listening to the way a child speaks to an adoring parent. My kids come to me. They want something. They run right up to me. Daddy, can I have? Daddy, I want. Daddy, I need. They don't have hesitation. Man, sometimes they'll come running right in my room. They did it today. And they come in my room. They jump on my bed. They climb under the covers. We're tickling. We're playing. They're hiding. We're, one of them jumps up on the bed with his knees straight out and gah, knees me right in the back. And I yell, ah, getting old. But that's not the point. The point is, my kids know they can run to me. They can say, Daddy, let's wrestle. Daddy, let's play. Daddy, what are you doing on the computer? Let's go outside. Let's throw the baseball. Let's hit with the bat. Let's kick the soccer. They don't care. And they know that I am willing to put aside my important schedule to focus on them. They trust me that I care more for them than anything else. And you come to God and you trust Jesus that he has nothing more important in his schedule than you. That's what the parents did when they brought their babies to be blessed by Jesus. That's what, that's what Jesus showed when all these little kids are playing. He says, no, come on, come to me. I have nothing more important to do right now than to just play with these kids, than to pray over these kids, to bless these kids. And that's what we learn, that I can trust God, that I can, I can come to God, that I can pray, and I'm praying more like the way my kids talk to me. Daddy, I need you. Daddy, I had a rough day. Daddy, you heard <coughs> what they said about me. Daddy, you saw the mess I got myself into. Daddy, I'm scared. Help. I need I want. And then sometimes my girls would just come and just sit down. Daddy, can I talk to you? Can I tell you my thoughts? Can I tell you my fears? Can I just share with you this story? And I want you to come to God. Trust Jesus. And trust what Jesus says. And trust what Jesus says about you. The third principle is this. From this passage. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know what the way of the child is? Follow the way of the child by coming humbly to Jesus. That's it. In the, in the Roman Empire, children were the lowest. In, in fact, if you came into somebody's home and they didn't have a servant, you knew who had to wash the feet of the people who came in the home. Now, foot washing is the equivalent of like washing someone's shoes and getting dog poop off of them. Right, that's the gross part, right? Like nobody wants it. It's cleaning up throw up. It's, it's, I don't know, it's cleaning up the grossest mess. And, and because in, in an ancient time, right, they, they wore sandals and they came in the home, they would walk on dirty roads that, you know, cows and horses walked and so they had gross stuff on their feet. And the, the youngest child had to wash everybody's feet because that's what they were, servants. And so Jesus said, we need, we come to him like lowly children. What do I mean? Nobody, as they're growing up, is thinking, I want to grow up and be more like a child. Dependent, vulnerable, weak, reliant on others. No, we, we want to get more educated, more self-reliant, more capable, self-sufficient. And I'm not saying any of that is wrong, but it does get in the way of our approach 
to God. When you bring your education into your relationship with God, when you bring your provision into your relationship with God, say, I can meet my own needs, God, I don't need you. I've got this figured out, I don't need you. I'm an engineer, I'm an analyst, I'm an insurance broker. I've got life figured out and I'm gonna take, and I, and I list those because, you know, often you can say, I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna be a risk averse. Meanwhile, what God really wants is us to come to him in humility, lay aside our credentials, lay aside our certificates, lay aside our awards, lay aside our achievements and say, God, I trust you. And I come humbly to you. Not capable in myself, but God, I'm gonna fully trust you and rely on you. And this is an active humility, right? Because we run to Jesus. We don't passively humble ourselves. We're just gonna sit back and do nothing. We actively lay those things down when we come to Jesus. It's the hard work of humbling ourselves. It's not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking less about ourselves. It's coming to God as a child saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I've provided to you the way of the child, the way through the complications of life. And for most of us, when life gets complicated, we allow pride to get in the way. Jesus simplifies life. He offers us a way through those complications by giving us the way of the child. He brings a child close to him and says, this is the simple faith. Would you allow me to bless you? Would you trust me more than you trust yourself and more than you trust the circumstances? And would you be humble? Would you humble yourself in, in front of me and trust me fully? Would you humble yourself and allow me to meet your needs? Would you allow me to be what you need? So right now, maybe, maybe what you need is a simplified life, a simplified faith. Maybe it's taking a step and allowing God to bless your life, to speak blessing. Maybe you need to take a step into trusting God more. Maybe it's a, a bowing your heart in humility, and acknowledging God, I don't deserve, I haven't earned, I just love you and I'm coming to you in humility. Would you follow the way of the child? And so there's probably a commitment in there that you could make. What's that one commitment? you can make right now, to hear the blessing of God, to trust God, to be humble before God. Would you allow me to pray over you? Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you weren't uh, far away and distant. And when you came, you didn't act worse than us. You came to show us the simple faith of being blessed by you, of putting our full trust in you and being humble before you. So God, we come to you as children, running into your arms, saying, God, we need you right now. We love you. You're all that we have, and you're all that we need. We receive your love. We come to you in the way of the child. In Jesus' name, amen. Through the whole journey, God has been with me and God has helped me through everything, uh, spiritually and physically. Whenever <clears throat> I had to do a doctor's appointment, we would always pray right before it because I knew that God's got me and that God uh, knows what 
path I'm supposed to be in through the whole journey. God has been with me and God has helped me through everything, uh, spiritually and physically. Whenever I felt really worried, God was there. Whenever I felt sick in the stomach, God was there. No matter what, He's gonna stay by my side and He's gonna lead me to where I need to be. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.